Welcome to the She's All That video podcast, inspiring, entertaining conversations with women doing awesome shit, making change, and living life their way. Conversations that'll leave you thinking, damn, I'm glad I heard that. She's all that. The correlation between underlying health issues and succumbing to COVID has been one of the big takeaways of 2020. What we buy, what we bring into our homes, how we live, and the food we eat all have enormous impacts on our health and our ability to survive and thrive, physically and mentally. Not usually part of the conversation that you'll have with your GP. In my interview today with Heidi Hackler, a holistic health coach, we tackle these topics, which are the backbone of what she does with her clients, pinpointing their unique causes of suboptimal health, rather than just treating the symptoms. And all of this from aboard her sailboat on the Pacific coast of Mexico that has been her home and her office for the last seven years. She's all that. Today, as I mentioned in the introduction, I am talking to Heidi Hackler, and Heidi is a holistic health coach. She's an author, and she is actually a seagoing businesswoman. Heidi, thank you so much for being with me today. Thanks, September. It's so great to be here, and it's so fun to see you. I miss you. Yes, yes. You and I met, it was almost a year ago to the day. It was a full moon dance party on the beach in Puerto Vallarta. And I remember standing there and thinking, this gal's full of lots of fun. And the more you talk, it was like, what an exciting life you're leading. You're living on your sailboat, traveling. At, at this point, you're, you're ported, but you were traveling up and down the coast of Mexico. You're a holistic health coach. And you had just published a book like within days of us meeting. It was so exciting. And I've been keeping track of you ever since. And one of the things that I ask all my guests is, how did you get to this exciting incarnation of a life that you're living? Now, I, I know that you're a Seattle girl by background, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So how did you go from a Seattle girl working in tech and ending up running your own business on a boat with clients from all over the world? Right? <laughs> yeah. How did you do well, that? So for starters, I actually grew up in Wyoming. So I wasn't even, a, I wasn't oh. even near the ocean. I grew up in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And I was super fortunate that my stepdad had grown up on the East Coast in Connecticut, and he was a big sailor. So as I grew up in Wyoming, whenever we had spring vacation or Christmas or whatever, he would often, we'd often go somewhere where there was water and he'd charter a boat and take a sailing and we would go to the Caribbean and things like that. Oh, So nice. I got exposed to sailing as a kid, but I never learned how, but I loved being on the water. I loved the feel of the you know, wind and the waves and your sails and sailing and everything. So I went to University of Washington in Seattle, which is how I ended up out there and seeing everybody sailing around all the time from campus, you see sailboats everywhere. And I was like, I need to learn how to do this. So I actually went to the UW Yacht Club and took sailing lessons and learned how to sail. And then a woman that I was working with after college in the high tech industry, she owned a sailboat and was out racing every weekend. And so I was like, hey, could I crew for you? I am just learning. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I would love to get out, get more experience. So she let me start crewing with her. And that's where I met my husband, Kirk, actually was on that boat. And there was, it was a big boat. There was 18 crew. And so I met him there. And long story short, we ended up dating and buying this boat that I'm on right now, almost 30 years ago. I think we bought our boat 29 years ago. And so we both had the dream to eventually someday take off and go cruising. And it took a while to get there. But in 2015, we untied our lines in Seattle and set sail. And here I am in Mexico. Oh, living the dream, babe. (laughs) It's so envious of you. So you were working in Seattle. You were in tech. Now, that's a bit of a leap from there to holistic health and coaching. 
How did that happen? So that again was, you know, sort of somewhat of a process, but basically I was a graphic designer for almost 30 years in the high tech world and into, you know, web design. I worked at one of the very first web design companies in the world. In fact, we did the first website for Apple computer and national geographic and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. But, um, early on, like maybe, oh gosh, it's been over 20 years ago. I got diagnosed with celiac disease, which is basically the inability to digest gluten. And I had had a lot of different health ailments going on. It took me about two years to get diagnosed. And in that time, I just was in a lot of pain. I had a lot of intestinal stomach discomfort. I had a lot of eczema and rashes and things, and nobody could figure out what was going on with me. And it was just really, you know, not fun. (laughs) It was a not fun time of my life. But I got diagnosed with celiac. And at the same time, I also got diagnosed with allergies to dairy and and, uh, eggs. So this is kind of a really interesting thing where you think about your body is so wise, your body knows everything. And growing up as a kid, I hated dairy and eggs, did not like them at all. But, you know, my mom was like, drink your milk, you know, eat your eggs, whatever, because they're good for you. And my body knew I was allergic to those things. But you know, who knew? So finally I got diagnosed and cut out all the gluten, dairy, and eggs out of my diet. I had already been a vegetarian at that time. So that was cutting out a big chunk of my diet. And I really had to learn how to do things differently. Thankfully, I liked cooking. So that was good. I was good with experimenting. And also I really grew up with a total uh, hippie granola mom who was also an herbalist. So we grew up kind of with that herbal background and at the time growing up like in high school we thought she was a whack job (laughs) what like come on where's the NyQuil right (laughs) yeah but now thankfully we've all come around to seeing the wisdom of our mom's ways and so as I was going through having to change my own diet and things like that or when I would get a cold or something I would just you know know to to take more vitamin C and take elderberry syrup and echinacea and things like that. And I just kind of knew that. Is that because of your upbringing with your mom? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Cause not everybody was totally elderberry syrup. What? And that's like 20 years ago, right. Or 30 years ago, even I was doing that. So more and more of my friends kind of knew, Oh, Heidi's on the fringe. She's like this woo woo chick that, you know, takes all these herbal remedies and stuff. So as my friends would have things come up with them and really interestingly, close to when I got diagnosed with celiac, several of my friends all got diagnosed within a couple of years and they would reach out to me and be like, Oh my God, how do I do this gluten-free thing? What do I do? You know? And so I was able to start helping them with that and changing their diets and, you know, getting more, just living a life a little bit more holistically than they had been living. And it was all a long process. I mean, for me, for my friends or whatever, just, you know, one step after another, like all paths on the how do you say that stepping stones or whatever on the path? Yeah. Right? It wasn't like it happened overnight. And so I have a question. What is this proliferation of celiac disease? Like, as you said, when we were young, it was like, eat your yeah. this and your that, and it's in the food, right. uh, what the pyramid right. or whatever, just eat yeah, all this yeah. stuff. Like, right. thank you, bit dairy board, filling this up right? with milk we yeah, didn't need. Exactly. But like so. this sudden, is it a sudden explosion of these things like well, dairy intolerance yeah, and celiac is, or is, is, is there something else going on? It, there's a couple of things going on. I mean, one is I think people are becoming more aware. So in the past, I think a lot of people had symptoms that they just ignored or lived with or whatever. And like statistics show right now, literally about 75% of all Americans have a dairy sensitivity. 75%, that's pretty high. 
most of them don't know it or don't realize it. You know, they just go along with it. I mean, I've had so many clients who are like chronically, one of the, one of the um, really well-known symptoms of a dairy allergy is chronic post-nasal drip, stuffiness, um, sinus issues. So a lot of people just live with that their whole life. They think, oh, I've always had this my whole life. I don't know any different, right? It's like, like it's who they are. If you've always been nasally and stuffed up and sinus drip your whole life, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily know that that's not normal right? You just think that's who I am. Mm -hmm. But when they cut out dairy, they're just shocked after a couple of weeks. They're like, Oh my God, I can breathe again. I don't have post nasal drip. I don't sound all nasally for the first time in my life. You know? And so that what I say is that basically dairy is meant for baby cows, not meant for adult humans. I was going to ask you that. Is it because it's actually a booster juice for baby cows or has something changed in the dairy industry like is it the antibiotics or what's going on that people are reacting to all of that all that's related and so yeah like you bring up the antibiotics i just finished reading a fascinating book that i highly recommend people read then it's called the missing microbe and it's by dr martin blazer so it's fascinating he talks all about the gut microbiome which is really important to our health and what many people don't realize is that literally 80 to 90% of our immune system resides in our gut, in our gut microbiome. And as we take antibiotics throughout our life, those, you know, those bacteria get killed off and we have really much less diverse microbiome than we are meant to have. And so an interesting study that was done several years ago with indigenous populations around the world where they took stool samples from them and tested the amount of microbes that they have. Like it's the people living in the Amazon in the jungle who've never ever had an antibiotic or any medication, never had, you know, a McDonald's burger, any fast food or anything that would change their gut microbiome. And they sampled people around the world from Australia to, you know, Africa to South America and everything. They, on average, they have around 2,500 different species, 2,500 different species living in their gut. So those of us in North America, Europe, you know, US, Canada, and and Europe, we have around 500 to 1000. So we are down a huge percentage of like 20% of what we could have. Oh my God. Right. So that's a big reason why people are getting a lot of these allergies and things because we don't have the microbes in our body to help break down and digest all these things. And when it comes to gluten, do you know about glyphosate? I don't know if you've if you've heard of glyphosate or oh, not. So glyphosate we've got that Roundup. Is Roundup? Yeah, yes. you know that. So glyphosate is a nasty chemical in Roundup by Monsanto, or now Bayer. I guess they got. Yeah, let's hide that there. name. Let's put it under right? the Bayer yeah. umbrella. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So glyphosate is an herbicide that is meant to get rid of pesky weeds and things growing around fields. And what uh, Bayer or um, formerly Monsanto, Monsanto. <laughs> has done is sell it to all the farmers and with the GMO foods like the corn and things like that, you know, they're like Roundup ready, which means that you can spray it all over them and they won't die. And it also damages the bugs and things that eat them. So what's been happening in the last maybe five, 10, well, okay, Roundup has only been being used on crops really prolifically for about the past 20 years. Mm So, which is a kind of when things started ramping up with people's food allergies and more celiac and things like that. And so what happens with Roundup nowadays is that they farmers spray it on all their crops prior to harvesting because it acts as a desiccant and helps dry the crops up. It makes it easier for them to harvest. They don't have to change their harvesting blades on their harvesting machines as often. 
So, but then you've got all these dried grains and things. Coated in poison. Coated in poison, right? (sighs) So yeah, it's, it's not good. (laughs) But they've done such a good job of marketing that stuff. Just last year, I was standing in line at, at a home hardware place and there was a guy in front of me saying like, oh, they don't sell Roundup anymore. I'm so glad I bought out the stock before they stopped. And, and I said, just, I didn't even know the guy. And I said, right. what do you use it for? And he said, oh, you know, like where my kids play in the backyard, all the weeds are growing up. So I just like, it's, oh you my God. totally saturate your children's play area with glyphosate. And your pets. Yeah. And I just thought, not your battle. No Walk away, exactly. but oh my God. Know, right? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So, so that, like, do you think that that, I mean, well, we know that, as you said, about 20 years ago, that's when allergies and these things really right. started ramping up in children and adults. Yeah. And the whole thing with taking antibiotics, like antibiotics really became big in the like mid to late fifties and then sixties and seventies, you know, they say that most people by the time they're 17, nowadays have had at least 17 rounds of antibiotics so that's basically like one a year and for you know all kinds of different things and so interestingly some of the things like say strep throat for example strep will go away on its own in about five days without any antibiotics but what doctors are afraid of there's a very small percentage of people who may get you know other issues coming from the strep or whatever. And so to prevent that one very small, less than maybe five, less than 1% of people having an issue, they give everybody antibiotics across the board. And so it's just over the years, our immune system, you know, our gut microbiome and our immune system is just shrinking smaller and smaller and smaller. So every time you have a round of antibiotics, you're almost wiping up your microbiota. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. A lot of it. So and you've got to come back from that. Yeah. So it can take like six months to a year or more for it to come back. And so people don't realize that. And they're like, oh, well, my doctor gave me antibiotics, you know? And it's like, yeah, well, (laughs) so I try really hard. I mean, not to diss on Western medicine, there is definitely a good place for a lot of it. There's times when antibiotics are the only thing that's going to save somebody, you know, and allopathic medicine is really essential for diagnosing things you know you want those x-rays for the broken bones and the cat scans or whatever and they've they've done us a bit of a service this year yeah i mean for sure COVID, absolutely yes but even there with covid like there's you know it's really interesting to see that worldwide there's a direct correlation with people who have metabolic disorders so metabolic disorders include insulin resistance even high blood sugar insulin resistance diabetes heart disease even types of dementia that are all related to having too much high blood sugar chronically over, over many years. And so they're finding now that literally 94% of everyone who has died from COVID worldwide had a pre-existing metabolic disorder. Or Sorry, what's the percent? 94%, 94% of everyone who has died from COVID worldwide has a pre-existing some other health issue. And most of them related to metabolic disorders being high blood sugar coming from crap food, stress and toxins in their environment. So even though everybody's like, oh my God, COVID is this horrible thing. It is being made much worse by the fact that so many people are unhealthy to begin with. Yes. Yes. And they say that unfortunately the, the biggest casualties outside the elderly are 
people in lower socioeconomic brackets exactly. that don't have the health care, yeah. don't have the money to right. have that kind of diet that really would maybe yeah, protect them. The elderly, it's really interesting because they're saying the elderly are the higher, highest risk. It doesn't, from all the research I've done, and I'm not a doctor, so I, mm -hmm. you know, take it with a grain of salt, but I've done a lot of reading and research on it. And from all the research I've done and people that I follow, even Dr. Mark Hyman and things like that, it's not, it doesn't have to do with age. It has to do with your metabolic health. And it just so happens that probably 80 to 90% of the people over age 60 have poor metabolic health. So that's why they're saying, you know, if you're elderly, it's bad for you. But if you're elderly and you don't have metabolic issues and you're really healthy and you eat healthy and you exercise and work out and you meditate and you get plenty of sleep and you drink plenty of water and all these things that are super important to your body, then really you don't have an increased risk over somebody lower, you know, in age. Yes. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So uh, now that of course relates to so much of what you do in your holistic health coaching, getting people like other, other than their diet and water and exercise, what else is it you're working with them? I, I've noticed in a lot of the things you post that you really focus on toxins, not just the glyphosate, other toxins. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. what kind well, of thing would you do with your clients? Well, so one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is your skin is basically like a giant mouth or tongue. So whatever you put on your skin is immediately absorbed into your body. And so when you look at things that you put on your skin, maybe it's a shower gel, maybe it's a body lotion or sunscreen or something like that. If you look at the ingredients on there, many, many of them, especially if you buy them at the grocery store or the drugstore, many of them have toxic ingredients. So if you're reading the ingredients and it's a really long word that you can't pronounce and you don't know what that is, do you want to put that in your body? Right? Well, I think going back to what you said about, I mean, that's, that's actually a really jarring metaphor. Your skin is like a giant tongue, Ugh. but yeah. uh, that, that we are absorbing everything that we come into contact with or that we put on ourselves. That's maybe a concept that's not so widely appreciated. Right. But yes. there's, I think there's kind of an inherent trust in like the FDA or whatever, even though that is food and drug, there's a trust yeah. that, well, they wouldn't sell it if it was so terrible. Yeah, it, that's really an unfortunate thing that people think. So the FDA in the US and Canada is much better. I know you're in Canada. And you oh, guys, yeah, Canada is much better. I don't, I don't know exactly the rules, but, and then, the, and then the EU is really, really good. And, and the UK, they just have very stringent rules. So in the U.S., the FDA actually does not regulate health and beauty products at all, at all, not at all. <laughs> People yeah. don't understand that. They think if it's on the drugstore shelf, if it's on the grocery store shelf, health. somebody must have approved it. Vetted yeah, it. it's got to be healthy. It's in the drugstore. Not yeah. at all. So they leave it up to the individual com companies to say if it's, you know, good or not or whatever. But interestingly, in the U.S., there are over 1,300 different known toxic chemicals that are banned worldwide. They're banned in all of the EU. They're banned in the U.K. They're banned in Canada. They're banned in Japan and South Korea and lots of Asia. They are in our health and beauty products. Over 1,300 toxic chemicals in our everyday health and beauty products. And it's estimated that the average American woman comes in contact with over 100, 150 toxic chemicals a day before she walks out the door in the morning. Well, now we're not necessarily walking out the door in the morning to go to work, but- so we stay in the house with that 150 right? number of chemicals. So, yeah, from all of your personal care products, your um, laundry soap, your the dryer sheets. Oh my gosh, those things are so toxic. Dryer sheets, yes. 
leave a film of toxic chemicals on your clothing that then rubs on your skin and on your pillowcases that you're and your sheets oh my god Yeah, yeah right and then you're just absorbing that in absorbing that in so all those toxins build up in our body and can wreak havoc with our hormones toxins like to store in fat and what happens is when you have a lot of toxins in your body stored in your fat cells, those can inflame your fat cells, making your fat cells bigger because when things get inflamed, they generally are, you know, enlarged. Larger, yep. enlarged. So when your fat cells get bigger, they can store more fat. And so that's just one of like many reasons why people have trouble losing weight. So, so what, what, I guess the only answer is uh, we just have to reduce these things in our life, get knowledgeable about what it is we're using, what we're buying, what we're putting on our skins and in our body. And I really say like, we can vote with our dollars, you know, Mm -hmm. people can make choices. We can make healthy choices. So educate yourself on what exactly is in the products you're using. Learn to read labels. My rule of thumb, especially when it comes to food, but even, you know, I do say like, if you wouldn't eat it, don't put it on your body. And so I try to use all products that even though they might not taste great, you know, wouldn't harm you if you ate them. Mm -hmm. Toothpaste is a really crazy one. I mean, toothpaste is full of toxic chemicals. If you're not using like an all natural toothpaste, toothpaste has propylene glycol in it, which is the number one ingredient in antifreeze. I was going to say, is that not antifreeze? It is. Why do you want that in your toothpaste? I don't know. I don't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's this big thing called greenwashing which is where companies just say all natural or even in the US in health and beauty products because nobody's vetting it they can say it's organic when yeah. it's not because nobody's checking on that so you know when things say all natural or whatever like i always like to pick on herbal essence shampoo because it shows all these flowers and herbally floral everything and it's the first five ingredients are toxic but they were smart they were on that herbal natural okay. bandwagon like 30 plus years ago they were ahead of the curve yeah crazy so the thing that i always tell people is well if you think about it arsenic lead and mercury are natural. all natural yeah yeah you want those in your health and beauty products but there are certain designations like there are organizations like the california, yeah, california. organic certification this is this that even though it might say organic you, you should go yeah. looking that this company is actually certified yeah. under one of those bodies yeah. right and there's so like there's a line of health and beauty products that i actually rep out of the uk it's called meals yard remedies and they've been around for over 40 years and are totally organic. They own their own organic farm. They grow most of the ingredients themselves. And the UK does a really good job. There's a third party certification called the soil association that certifies things to be organic and toxin free, pesticide free in the U S there is the NSF, which is a lot of supplements are certified by NSF. I've seen that. Yeah. That certifies them to be free of any toxins, any pesticides, anything like that. And what happens a lot too, in the U S like people are maybe looking for things to be organic, but it takes a lot of money to become certified organic. If you're a small family farm, you don't have the millions of dollars to become certified organic. So you can say your products are toxin free or pesticide free. And then when you see things being certified by the NSF, that's like a third party certification showing that there are no toxins in that product. So there's some ways that you can kind of check. So in your case, the, the, the change in your life from the you know, living in Seattle, working high tech, moving into this um, came about because of your own physical health yeah. 
and your realization. But I, if I recall correctly, sort of sorry to segue here, but I do re- remember an interesting little sidebar about you were a very time a blogger for Deepak Chopra. How oh, yeah. did that happen, lady? <laughs> That was kind of cool. That was actually one of the coolest things that ever happened to me. Um, So about seven years ago, I was getting really burned out of the high tech world and doing websites. And it got to the point where literally technology was changing daily. It was changing overnight, new things coming up every day. And so I would design and build a website for someone and it might take three months to get it built with all the things that they wanted. And by the time it came out live, they would be like, well, why doesn't it do X, Y, Z, which just came out last night, you know? And I was like, because X, Y, Z didn't exist three months ago when we started your website project. And furthermore, you don't need those features, you know, just because you think they're cool. So I was just getting really sick of that. And one of my best friends had, was also a graphic designer. She had gone back to school and had a total career change after she had gotten cancer. And she went to nutrition school. And while she was in school, she kept saying, Heidi, you got to do this. This is right up your alley. You would love this. So I said, you know what? Why not? Why not go back to school? And so I went to nutrition school about seven years ago. And as I was in nutrition school, I just was blown away by everything I was learning. Like all the stuff I've just shared with you already. I was learning about the glyphosate and the toxins and the, you know, our tongue is, our skin is a giant tongue. And I'm like, why don't we all know this? Why isn't this just common sense? Why isn't everyone taught this in school? You know? So I started blogging right away. I was like, I have to like shout this from the rooftops. Everybody needs to know this stuff. And I started blogging. And at the same time, around the same time period, my husband and I were also doing a lot of classes at the Chopra Center through Deepak Chopra. We would go down to San Diego every year and go do a different class. And whether it was meditation or some type of, you know, holistic health training and things like that. And so I did get to know some people down there and they knew that I was blogging and they needed somebody to start blogging for them. So they asked me, Hey, would you start blogging for the Chopra center? And I was like, sure. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, No. (laughs) So was it, was it, did it remain in the same vein of nutrition and and what you had been studying? Yep. All about holistic health and nutrition is what I blogged about. And I did that for about a little over a year and eventually I had to give it up due to our cruising lifestyle in Mexico, because we were cruising up in the Sea of Cortez, where there's not a lot of bandwidth and Wi-Fi and things like that. And okay, that, that, I'm really interested to hear that, because as I said, a lot of people in my network are online entrepreneurs. Yeah. That you are an online entrepreneur working from aboard a sailboat, a moving sailboat. Right? Tell me how you do that. <laughs> Well, I mostly have to be in port for when I need critical Wi-Fi. Um, we do have a satellite phone that enables me to check emails and respond to emails if we're out at sea. And so, you know, I can go for a good couple weeks where I don't have to have, you know, really good internet connectivity. But basically, we plan our cruising point to point from where I know we can get internet. And we actually have a pretty good modem on board now with a, met- uh, a Mexican uh, well, Telcel, Mexican cell phone network. And so anywhere that there is a Mexican cell tower, we can get Wi-Fi. So even out on the hook, even when we're sailing, um, I can get Wi-Fi if we're in range of a Mexican cell tower. So that's pretty good. Just out of curiosity, how far offshore do, can you actually get a signal? Oh, not very. Like maybe oh, okay. 15, 20 miles at the most, maybe. Not bad, not bad. (laughs) So if you're going across the Sea of Cortez or something, you know, there's going to be days when I don't have internet. And usually I'll just put up an out of office thing on my emails and just say like, I'm not around. Sorry. 
you know, I live, I chose to live this lifestyle kind of off the grid. I mean, we're totally, our boat's totally solar panel powered and really off the grid as much as possible. And I chose this for a reason to, to be living this healthier lifestyle. So I don't like to be hemmed into, um, you know, the internet all the time, but again, it's where my business is online. So even when I was in Seattle, I was predominantly doing my health coaching online as we were getting ready to leave there. Cause I knew in Mexico it would be online. So I kind of, my whole business has been online for the last, you know, at least seven plus years. And, and so when COVID hit, it wasn't really any different for me because I was already using zoom for all my clients. In fact, yeah. it's really funny to see everybody embracing zoom now, which is great for yeah, zoom. Yeah. Yeah. Like, using zoom already for like three or four years. And so and now it's a household word. But it's right. great. It's great what it's yeah, doing. It's and fun. just, you know, for the, uh, for the online entrepreneur, this has really accelerated Zoom's development and the features oh, that they've got now are look. amazing. So yeah, one incredible. of the silver yeah. linings. Well, speaking of COVID and you being on the boat, you were saying that you feel that um, you guys, you were telling me you've been in port since last February and stayed mm -hmm. there and you feel really quite safe. Like you're in one of the safest places in the world. I believe so. I mean, I truly just feel so grateful to be here where we are. We're in a, a small town called Barra de Navidad. I think you know where that is. Yeah, it's just south of Malacca. Yeah. Yeah, we're like 100 plus miles south of Puerto Vallarta. And it's a really small town, a very small marina here. We came here in February ostensibly for like a two week visit. And while we were here, COVID hit and the port captains across Mexico shut all the ports and wouldn't let any boats leave. So you were basically locked down. You could leave your boat and fly back to your home country, but you couldn't move your boat. And we actually have our residente permanente. So we have permanent residency in Mexico. So we didn't have to go back to the States. We don't have a home in the States. So we wouldn't have had anywhere to go to anyway. And so we just stayed here and we were in the marina through about June. I think in mid-June, they opened up the port restrictions and said, now you can go where you want. But by then it was hurricane season. And so for people that aren't familiar with the sailboat live aboard lifestyle, our whole life is totally dictated by the weather. Everything we do is dictated by the weather. And there are hurricane seasons and non-hurricane seasons. And you just have to be somewhere very safe during hurricane season. So you're not out there sailing about six months of the year. You're really not out there sailing very much at all. You're kind of hunkered down, hoping that you don't get hit by a hurricane. So we just decided to stay here through the whole hurricane season, which is now due to climate change is now May through November. It's hurricane what, season. what was it previously? It used to be like June through October. So it kind of like expanded a month on each end. So we've just been here since February and now hurricane season is over and we're hoping to move on soon. But I uh, went back to school again last year to start studying functional medicine. So just to so add a little bit. What's the, what's the difference between functional medicine and holistic medicine? That's a great question. So holistic medicine, holistic health, holistic medicine basically is a big umbrella term that covers almost anything that's not allopathic. So that could be anything from massage and chiropractic to herbal medicine to even like, um, you know, sound therapy or color therapy and things wait, like wait, that. Wait, wait. Sound therapy. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. got way sound too therapy. many interesting topics, lady. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyway, um, so functional medicine basically aims to get at the root cause of whatever is ailing somebody. So for whatever you have going on, why is that happening in your particular body? And it doesn't even 
really look at diseases so much. It more it looks at dis-ease in the body. Dis-ease in the body can lead to disease in the body, but it doesn't even necessarily look at you know this particular disease. It's more like why does this particular body have these particular issues going on with it? Because the body's normal state of homeostasis balance is wellness. The body thrives. I mean, it tries to be in wellness all the time. So even when people are sick and they think like, oh my gosh, my body's betraying me. My body's terrible, awful, whatever. That's not true. Your body is doing the very best that it can do given the lifestyle that you are forcing it to live in. So whether that is crap food, stress, toxins, whatever that may be, people don't realize that we get toxins every day in our lives from the air we breathe, from the water we drink. You know, many municipalities don't have clean drinking water. I really recommend everyone have a water filter, a good water filter purification system. And even on your shower head, you know, chlorine is terrible for your body. And so if you don't have a filter on your shower head, if you don't have a filter on your, you know, drinking water, whatever, you're just getting all those toxins in your body. So with functional medicine, we really aim to get to the root of what's ailing people. And so now, that's different than allopathic medicine. They're not looking to get to the root. Yeah, they, I mean, they kind of just give you a pill for every ill, right? And so like one one analogy that I give people is like, you could have 20 different people go to the doctor all being diagnosed with high blood pressure. They're most likely all gonna get the same pill. Oh, here, take a pill, get rid of your high blood pressure. Most allopathic doctors aren't saying, well, let's look at why do you have high blood pressure? You know, what's causing that? Is it stress-related? Do you have a really stressful job or stressful home life? Is it related to some other medication you might be on that's changing things up? Is it some genetic, you know, SNP, genetic, um, what do you call that mutation that maybe you have that's leading to something else? Is it diet related? You know, is there a food sensitivity that you have that you don't know about that's every time you eat that food is causing your blood pressure to go up? I mean, so there's just mask that all with the same old medication yeah, and everybody there's has literally like more than 20 different causes for high blood pressure. So when everybody's getting the exact same medication and it's just masking what's going on, you can take that medication and your blood pressure might get better, but whatever was at the root causing that is still going on. And that's going to start causing other issues down the road. So with functional medicine, as I'm studying functional medicine to become a functional medicine health coach, I won't be a doctor, but I'll have a lot more better background to help my clients to really dive deep into what's at the root cause of this. So like sleep is a really big issue for a lot of people. Most people don't get enough sleep. In fact, it's estimated 85% of Americans are, don't get the seven to eight recommended hours a night. 85% don't get seven or eight hours a night. And sleep deprivation leads to a whole host of other things. It can lead to increase in your adrenaline, adrenals and your cortisol getting spiked because of stress. It can lead to weight gain. That's a really big thing that people don't know. If you don't get enough sleep, it can definitely exacerbate weight gain or prevent you from losing weight. So sleep is the only time that your body does the majority of its rest and repair. So all the different systems in your body going through that repair things, you know, the little, all the, the plumbers and the electricians and everything that are working around in your body to fix everything. Cause we're an electrical system, right? And we have a lot of plumbing in us. Mm -hmm. So things are going to go haywire, just like in your home or in your boat. But those electricians and those plumbers, they work at night while you're sleeping. Yeah. And if you're not getting sleep, they can't come in and do the little mini repairs all the time to keep things going. And so then you end up with major issues 
down the road because all the small repairs didn't happen. So this whole worship of, you know, like, oh, I thrive on three to four hours sleep, but, you know, I'm super yeah. productive and I get up and I work from 3 a.m. through till. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it's almost like a badge of honor. I'm such a hero. Right? I almost never yeah. sleep. I'm just work, 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 work. You're actually killing yourself. Yeah, exactly. You definitely are. And it's crazy. The people who are like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just not true. And I always like to harken back to our hunter-gatherer ancestors because ultimately our bodies evolved over 2.5 million years to be the way they are today. And for 2.5 million years, minus maybe the last hundred years, we got probably 10 or 12 hours of sleep a night. You know, we went to bed when it got dark. We got up when it got light. We were probably getting 10 or 12 hours of probably pretty good quality sleep a night. And nowadays, you know, the artificial lights, the blue lights on our phones are really harmful. The blue lights actually diminish your melatonin and melatonin is one of our hormones that's very essential for sleep and so blue lights from your phone if you're on your phone all night right before you go to bed or whatever the blue light diminishes your melatonin so nowadays you can put the red screen on but even that is not really enough like I really recommend to my clients that they just completely get off all their devices at least an hour before bed because that you know, if they're on Facebook, they're on Instagram, they're on Twitter, whatever, they're still getting all those, you know, pinging, binging, jinging. And it's a lot of emotional sensory yeah, input. Exactly. Like they know, like I've, I've heard of studies where they measure someone's stress level and their level of happiness yeah. before, and then they put the, their participants of the research exactly. into 30 minutes to an hour of social media use. And Oh yeah. Everything's out of kilter. Their depression levels, their happiness is way down. Depression is up. feelings of inadequacy. My life sucks. Just like skyrockets. Exactly. Why would you do that to yourself before bed? Right? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. It's really bad. There's an app I love to use. I use it myself. It's one of the few apps on my phone that I actually really like. And it's called HeartMath. You can check out heartmath.com. I don't have anything to do with them. I don't get any kickbacks from promoting them, but I use them myself. And what it is, is like a biofeedback system that has a smartphone app. And so you clip this little thing to your ear and then hook it into your phone and you just start doing breathing exercises. Or if you meditate, you can meditate, but it tracks your heart rate. And it's basically trying to get you to have like a perfect sine wave of your heart rate. And as you first start doing it, especially if you just come off of social media or you come off your computer or whatever you have going on, you can see your heart rate is like up and down and all over the map. And then as you start using it and breathing, it gets into this really perfect sine wave. And so they have a lot of scientific research behind that app that shows it really just gets you back into parasympathetic mode. And one of the things I also work with my clients on is that people really don't understand. We have two, well, we have actually more than two, but two main nervous systems in our body, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. So the parasympathetic nervous system is your rest and digest system. And our bodies are meant to be in rest and digest mode 95% of the time. That's how we evolve. But in our fast-paced daily go, go, go lives, we now live 95% of the time in sympathetic mode, which is our fight, flight, or freeze mode. And so I use this analogy of the hunter-gatherer, you know, our ancestor cavewoman who was out hunter-gathering food and fruits and nuts and berries or whatever. And suddenly a saber-toothed tiger comes along and she's like, oh my God, you know, do I fight, flight, or freeze, right? So she decides to run for her life and get back to her cave, drops all her food and berries that she had been eating. And so what happens to your body when you go into Paris, when you go into sympathetic mode and you fight, flight or freeze mode? So multiple things happen. One is your heart rate goes up so that you can run faster to get away from whatever you're escaping, right? 
So nowadays when your heart rate goes up, that can lead to high blood pressure, you know, stress and things like that, which can lead to cardiovascular disease down the road. Another thing that happens is your blood starts to thicken and clot because as you're running for your life, fighting for your life, if that tiger were to swipe you and scratch you, you don't want to bleed to death. So your blood gets a lot thicker. So when your blood is thicker on a regular basis, because your 95% of your time is in fight or flight mode, that can be prone to getting blood clots and strokes and things like that. Another thing that happens that's really important to us day-to-day basis is that your digestion system shuts down by 95%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're running from that saber-toothed tie, you're 95% of your waking hours, what's going on with your digestion? And as you said, that is where your immunity is happening in, exactly. in your gut and your digestion. Oh my God. Yeah. So that really shuts down because if you're running for your life, you don't need to be digesting at that moment in time. You need all your energy to go towards your large muscles so you can get away from that tiger, right? And so traditionally, maybe she escaped, she got away, she got back to her cave, take some deep breaths, relax. In about 20 minutes, her body would resume back into parasympathetic mode and she'd be good to go. But nowadays, we just stay in this fight or flight mode all the time, whether it's your boss yelling at you, your phone pinging at you, the traffic you're in, your kids yelling at you, your spouse yelling at you, whatever it is, you know, you can't pay your credit card bills because you don't have a job right now because of COVID. I mean, there's a million and one things. And I've I've heard that there's like, well, I mean, it doesn't take much to figure it out. Like there's this pandemic, a secondary one of adrenal depletion, because we're all in this heightened state of chronic stress due to the uncertainty and and just the the, the fear around this whole thing of like, what's going on with our world, with my life, with my future, with my family, with my health. Oh, So I try to work with people to just remind everyone to take deep breaths on a regular basis, because if you just sit and take like four or five deep breaths, you do that four or five times, that's going to put you right back into parasympathetic mode. Nice. I did not know that. Yeah. I like really recommend people like once an hour, even set your, you know, alarm just once an hour, stop and take like four or five deep breaths. One of them I like to do is inhale for a count of four, hold for a count of four, exhale for a count of four, hold for a count of four, and just do that cycle like four times. Is that what they're calling box breathing? Yeah. Okay. I'd heard the term and I'm assuming it's like, yeah, you're cool. Yep. Exactly. Oh, and the other thing is that really, I mean, meditation is fantastic. There's so much scientific evidence to show that meditation helps lower your blood pressure. It helps just de-stress you all the way around, get you back into parasympathetic mode. But the thing that people really, really need to remember is to be here now, be present now, and get out of that headspace where you're thinking about the future all the time, or what if this, or what if that, or thinking about the past of what was, because really, truly, the only moment that's guaranteed in our life is this second right here and right now. Mm-hmm. Any of us could die in the next two minutes from you know, a brain aneurysm, a stroke, a heart attack, whatever. We don't know. You don't know when your number's up. You don't know when you cross the road and get hit by a bus. So, you know, I mean, not to be harsh, but that's- No, that's no, I think it's very happen. realistic. Yeah, I mean, not, tomorrow is not promised, right? is no. one of my mantras. Yeah, an hour from now is not promised. Exactly, so live today. present in what we're doing all the time, whether you're making dinner or washing the dishes or being with your kids or, you know, playing with your cat, or your dog or whatever, just be here now. And you're probably familiar with the Baba Ram Das book that came out in the 60s, Be Here Now, but it's a fantastic book. And really, you know, I try to try to remember that so often. And my husband and I do a thing where we called gratitude check. And lots of studies have shown that being grateful, having gratitudes, and especially writing your gratitudes down, 
really can benefit you and helping you stay calm and not stress about the future. So we do this thing called gratitude check every day. And anytime during the day, one of us will yell out gratitude check. And the other person has to stop whatever they're doing at that moment in time and just say three things that they are grateful for right then. And it's really interesting to see how it just like, you know, you can be, I can be mired down in work and totally stressed out and all this stuff's going on. And my husband will call out gratitude check. And I'm just like, okay, stop. (sighs) Take a deep breath. What are three things I'm grateful for right now? You know, I'm grateful that September Smith is a friend of mine and she asked me to be on this awesome video podcast. I love that. I'm grateful that my cats are both taking naps right now and not jumping across my keyboard. I was just thinking about that. I was thinking, I'm grateful that your husband is keeping the cats off screen. (laughs) Two cats on a sailboat. Mm. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And I'm grateful to be living my life in Mexico on a sailboat because I know that not everyone has that opportunity. And I also realized I fully made it happen. It was my dream for 20 years to leave and go sailing. And I worked my ass off and did whatever it took, literally sometimes having two or three jobs at a time when I had to, because I wanted to do this thing. And so, yeah. So uh, before I get too far off that, the whole thing you were talking about, the three, what do we do? The three things you're grateful for. That brings me around to your book. Now your book, which as I said, had come out like, yeah, the days of us meeting last yeah. year, food, mood, and gratitude journal. Yeah, which is available on, on Amazon. Now yeah. that is, what was it that was? Was it just that was the perfect confluence of all the things that make up your well, life? So what happened is, what I work with my clients is, I really ask people to keep a food mood journal because many people aren't aware that what you eat directly affects your mood and it directly affects your um, both physical and mental how you feel. So depending on if you happen to have a food sensitivity, which many, many people have food sensitivities that they don't realize at all. If you have any type of skin issue, if you have eczema or any kind of rash, if you have any type of nasal congestion, it's highly likely that you have a food allergy. Um, Gut issues, you know, as well, if you always get lots of gas and bloating and constipation, people don't realize those things. And so I had put this kind of food mood gratitude journal together just as a PDF file for my clients to track what they eat and what, what their mood is and to track their poop. That's a big one that I talk about with all my clients and people are like, oh, nobody wants to look at their poop or talk about their poop, but everybody poops, okay? It's a natural fact of life. And I guarantee you, if you have a pet, you're probably always checking out their poop. And if it doesn't look right, you're probably taking them to the vet. So everyone needs to check out their own poop as well. And I have a space for that in my book. But the thing is many, many, many people are constipated. So if you're not pooping at least once a day, a minimum, bare minimum once a day, you are constipated. And there's a lot of doctors and scientists now that are even starting to say that if you're not pooping at least twice a day, you're constipated. Like once a day really isn't enough. Two or three times a day is totally normal. And we don't realize that because over years, you know, it's just diet and lifestyle has evolved to where maybe we only go once a day. There's a lot of my clients only go two or three times a week and they think that's normal because that's what they've done their whole life. Nobody's ever talked to them about how often they should poop, you know? So it's kind of funny. I actually crack up because on Amazon, the only bad review I have on my book on Amazon is this woman who said, I think it's a woman. Anyway, she said she has a whole half a page devoted to poop. (laughs) Uh, If it's relevant, maybe it's merited. (laughs) It's because it's important. I mean, if you think about your gut being 
where everything happens, your immune system and everything like that, you know. I'm actually surprised it's only half a page. Yeah. <laughs> actually, you know, when we're talking about this, right? I, yeah. yeah. So one okay. one thing I was really amazed by when you were telling me last year under the stars on the beach in Puerto Vallarta about your new book, and you were saying, oh, and it's it's actually a graphic coloring book yeah. style book like even and, and of course I was curious like did that come from your graphic arts background but you you were telling me that you yeah so I, create well, these beautiful I created things emojis too. in there to make it fun I wanted to make it fun for people I don't want it to be a chore to track your food and what you're eating and stuff like that you know and so I really made it to be like you know you are your own health detective and you're writing down clues of like what you're eating so I you know ask my clients to write down what they're eating and write down how they feel like maybe while they're eating or maybe an hour later or a few hours later or the next day. And there's a space to write down gratitudes as well. And really how the whole thing came about as a book is I had created it as a PDF file and I'm super grateful for my background in graphic design because that's helped me tenfold in my business for doing my websites, doing you know all my graphics. I can just do myself, which is fantastic. So I had created this kind of fun PDF file and one of the clients I was working with was a book publisher. And so I sent her the PDF file to do as her homework. And she's like, why isn't this a book? And I was like, I don't know, because it's just a PDF file that I created for my clients to use. And she's like, we need to make this a book right now. Let's turn this into a book. And That's awesome. Like, oh, okay. So she's the one who totally helped me get it published, get it up there on Amazon. And I'm grateful to my friend Bonnie for that. Um, so that's how my book came about. And I do plan to come out with an update to it because I've learned so much more just in the year that I've been in functional medicine school, I still have another year and a half to go, but I've learned so many more things that I'm like, oh, now I want this in my book. I want that in my book. So I am going to come out with the revision sometime in the next year just to get some more information in there to help people. But one of the reasons I made it too is that people go to the doctor for whatever ailment they may have. And you know, maybe they're given a medication, maybe they're not. Maybe the doctor says, you need to lose weight. You need to start exercising more. Okay, great. But most people don't really know how do I go about doing that? So that's where health coaches really come into play is helping you implement whatever your doctor has prescribed for you to do. And so I work hand in hand a lot with doctors who are open to health coaches and I can just help support their clients along the way because the doctor's not going to have time to give you all the ins and outs of, you know, what you should do with your diet and how you should be exercising or sleeping or whatever, you know, they're too busy for that. So, so when, when clients come to work with you they work with you they get the consultations with you via zoom but do you do they also use your gratitude your food mood and gratitude yep. journal so they get it. in conjunction yep, they get with a that free book with that when they sign up to work with me so i have a six-month program it's called kick your health kickstart your health it's my six-month program and so what i do is i work with people to set their own wellness goals so we talk about a lot of the things that i talked about today and really help them dive deep into their wellness goals, but also what has prevented them from reaching these goals in the past. So if like, let's say weight loss is one of their big issues. And if they're 40 or 50 years old and they've been trying to lose weight for 30 years, well, you know, why has, what has stood in your way of this all along? A lot of times there's emotional reasons and they've got to really dig deep and let that stuff go. That's in the past. It doesn't have to own you today. So that no. comes into your work with your clients as well. That that's really interesting to hear that yeah. it's not just as you know few strands of what makes the, that person no, up as a person. A I mean, picture. and depending on what their you know what their concerns are, what their issues are. I mean, sometimes I do refer people on to 
work with counselors and things because I don't have a huge, you know, psychology. I don't have a psychology background at all. So if they have really deep seated trauma issues or, you know, food um, issues around eating and things like that, then I might refer them to work with somebody else as well. Um, still working with me as well. But I try to help people come up with realistic wellness goals and then keep on track. And so they can meet those goals. And, you know, like realistically, people can only lose about eight pounds a month. So a lot of people don't realize that they want to lose 20 pounds right now, you know, or 30 pounds or whatever. It's like, well, you can lose about two pounds a week, realistically. And when it comes to weight loss, a couple of things where I really probably differ from a lot of people is I don't believe in using a scale at all. I think scales are not good for you. There's a lot of scientific data out there to show that scales are really damaging to people psychologically. You know, if you've lost weight, if your clothes fit better, exactly. if you feel more comfortable, you know, it doesn't really matter what number it is. No, it doesn't yes. matter. Oh, if, I'm if so on board with you there. Yes. Size or two or whatever you want to do for you, you know, as long as you're being healthy. And the other thing is I definitely, I'm not a fan of counting calories at all. And that's another thing that's really damaging to people. And a calorie is not a calorie is not a calorie, you know, it's all different. So I'm pretty on board with the paleo keto type of eating. I think that the fewer grains and definitely refined carbs. Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm, I'm not much of a diet person, but you're vegetarian, but you well, do keto? I How does that work? Oh, okay. I actually started eating meat again about two years ago. I was vegetarian or vegan for almost 30 years. Mm -hmm. And, um, interestingly, my naturopath and my acupuncturist for 20 years had been telling me I needed more animal protein. I needed to eat more meat. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I love animals. I don't want to kill an animal. You know, I was all on for the emotional vegan thing. Um, but really they just, you know, when my blood test sh started showing numbers that I was super low in protein and super low in B vitamins, which you can only get from animal protein. I mean, you can take supplements, but it's not necessarily the same thing. They kind of convinced me I needed to start eating more meat. And so I did add in, I was eating fish all along. So I was never truly vegan. I was more like pesca, pescatarian, vegetarian, vegetarian. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, I do now eat chicken and turkey and more fish. I still don't eat red meat. I don't like red meat and I don't really think it's all that great for you, but, um, definitely collagen. I take a lot of collagen, like in, I use collagen supplements in my smoothies. And so why? I don't know anything about it here. Collagen yeah. is really important for hair and skin. So two years ago, my whole entire hair was just this thick. So it has doubled in thickness. Oh, since wow. I started eating meat and taking collagen. So, so collagen, where, like collagen, in what form do you take it? You can buy collagen powder and just put it into smoothies. It doesn't have any taste or anything. You can make, um, it's, I've noticed that's really skyrocketed both like, um, on the shelves at health uh, food stores, but also online that suddenly, you know, everybody's adding exactly. that into what it is they sell. So how can you find a good one? So the one that I use is called vital proteins and there's probably a lot of other good ones out there. I did a lot of research on mine. The one that I use is, um, you know, comes from organic grass fed beef. So it comes from bones and tendons and things like that. So again, if you think back to our hunter gatherer ancestors, or even maybe prior to 100, 200 years ago, people ate the whole animal, like they'd put the meat in the pot and cook it up with the bones and the tendons and everything. And you get all that collagen from eating that. But now we buy boneless, skinless chicken breast that doesn't have any of that with it. You know, everything we eat is so clean and 
removed from the actual animal. We're not eating the whole animal part. So we're not getting the full nutrients that we need. And I really honestly think that I did my body some harm by being vegetarian and vegan for 20, 30 years. I think, and especially in the latter years, I think maybe early on it was okay when I was younger, but as you start to age and your stomach acid already declines, most people over age 50, their stomach acid starts to decline some. So it becomes harder to get all the nutrients out of your food. And I'm not a huge supplement fan for the sake of taking supplements, but as you age, if you are not getting enough of certain nutrients, you may need to take supplements on some things. And just going back to COVID again for a second, a lot of research has been showing that people who have adequate amounts of vitamin D either aren't getting COVID or are getting it really mildly. So vitamin D is hugely important. Most people in North America are vitamin D deficient. And another little factoid, I don't know how much time we have here. But another really cool factoid that I learned in nutrition school that most people I don't think know, I'm not even sure all doctors know this, But when you get your blood labs done and you see the reference range of what's normal, they say, oh yeah, all your labs are normal, whatever. You're fine. You're okay. That normal reference range is the average of 95% of Americans in this, you know, in this case in Canada, it's probably 95% of the Canadians, but 95% of the people, the average. Well, if the majority of those people aren't healthy, i.e. maybe they are all deficient in vitamin D, or maybe they are mostly all have too high of insulin or something like well, that. I just heard a figure that something like 39%, newest numbers of 39% of Americans are considered to be obese, which is kind of yeah. mind blowing. Right? Th- right? They're part of the numbers they're that determine of, yeah. normal. That, oh my right? God. Yeah. So you don't necessarily want to fall in that normal range. So in functional medicine, we have functional medicine ranges which tend to have 10, I mean, it can vary from each, each individual lab marker, but they tend to have higher lows and lower highs. So it's more of a conservative, a narrower window, let's say, of yeah. what's considered healthy. So vitamin D is a great one. For example, in allopathic medicine, they will say if your vitamin D is above 30, then that's normal. But in functional medicine, really between 40 and 60 is much healthier. So 30 might be normal, but it might not be optimal. And so when it comes to COVID, people who have vitamin D levels between 40 and 60 have been shown to fare better when it comes to COVID. What are the, what are the uh, measurement units for this 40 to 60? What are we uh, talking here? Nanograms per deciliter or something like that. I, Sorry oh, for putting you on the spot on that one. Oh, that's okay. I'm, I'm not remembering it off the top of my head. I think it's nanograms per deciliter. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, but it's it's going to be the same on whatever lab test you yeah. get. They all, yeah. they all test it the same way. Um, so vitamin D is like one of the things that we get from the sun, right? It's a, it's actually not a vitamin. So this is another thing that's really interesting is vitamin D is actually considered a pre-hormone. And they say that if vitamin D were discovered today, it would be called a hormone, not a vitamin. So it definitely interacts with all of our different hormones in our body. And our, our skin synthesizes vitamin D through the sun. And so when you don't get if enough- If you're sun, in Mexico, I'm in the Pacific right? Northwest, exactly. there's sun. I've heard of that. If people are putting on sunscreen and blocking all that sun from their body, it's no wonder people are deficient in vitamin D. So right? would you recommend then, like in my case, I, I'm so depressed to know that we have actually eight hours of sunlight per day at this oh. time of year. In this place on the globe, I, oh, 
try not to think about it. But and and in those eight hours, that was that narrow band of light. Right. It's almost always overcast and cloudy. Yeah. So I'm not getting my vitamin D in that case. Right. Would you recommend supplements? Well, so here's the thing. I, most likely, yes. But really what I recommend is getting a blood test and checking your numbers first. Oh, I was hoping that I should just move to Mexico. I thought you were going to well, say you that. Can do that too. Come on down. Oh. <laughs> and it's really important to, because it's a hormone and everything, like we say, everything in moderation, right? So just because some, a, a percentage of something is good for you doesn't mean more is better, right? No, more is not always better. And so one of the things that can happen with vitamin D and women in particular, if you are menopausal age, is that vitamin D, because it's a hormone, can actually exacerbate hot flashes. So if you're prone to hot flashes or you have had issues with them, you need to be careful about taking vitamin D supplements. It's not to say don't take them, but you need to take the right amount that doesn't do, you know, go overboard and take too much. So it's really important to work with a holistic practitioner I wouldn't necessarily recommend working with an allopathic doctor because most of them are going to tell you if your number is at 30, you're fine. They'll even tell yeah. you if it's 25, you're fine. And I disagree with that. So if I had a coach like yourself, a holistic health coach, you could actually help me figure out where my norms are for yeah. all these things and exactly. what I should be having, what I shouldn't be having, how much of this and kind of almost yeah. setting a baseline so look for at myself. People's blood labs and just kind of see, and there's a lot of different labs that work in conjunction with each other. So you can look down the labs and you can, you can kind of paint a picture like, oh, this person was probably dehydrated when they took their blood labs. So I always recommend when people take their blood labs that they make sure they're really well hydrated. It's also really stressful for a lot of people to get blood draws done. And, you know, a good, the best way to do it is get a fasting blood draw first thing in the morning. If people are prone to be coffee drinkers and they got to have their caffeine first thing in the morning, you can't do that before a fasting blood lab. So maybe they're all, you know, shaky and jittery because they've, got their caffeine withdrawals and they're stressed out or they get stuck in traffic on the way to the lab. So it's really important to try to plan your labs in the morning so that you can have as relaxed a morning as possible. Take your time getting there, maybe sit in the car and meditate for 10 minutes before you go in and get your blood draw or something like that so that you're not, you know, adversely affecting your blood labs. But yeah, I take, I look at people's labs. Um, and also, that being said, labs are sort of, you take them with a grain of salt because they are a snapshot of one picture in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you really need to see labs over, you know, several years to start to paint a picture of what's going on. So like with insulin resistance or with so many people being obese now, this is another good place where you can say allopathic medicine will tell you if you're between 90 and 100 in your fasting insulin, you're fine. But right over 100, if 101, you have insulin resistance. So if 100 is fine, how can 101 be not fine? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense because it's really not true. Above 90, as you start to creep above 90, you are on the spectrum of becoming insulin resistant, right? Wow. So a lot, of, a lot of doctors don't look at that stuff. So in functional medicine, we look more at the nuances of, you know, in each individual person. And again, for every body, I say bio-individuality, every body is different. So even within that normal, healthy range, maybe what's normal for me is not normal for you, right? So we do kind of almost need concierge service yeah. to figure out right? what is normal for us, right. what we need, what we should be not, what we should be getting out of our life, how to just, what is our normal baseline? Exactly. So that's what a yeah. holistic health coach can help us do. Yeah. So people can do yeah. that with you via Zoom. Yep. 
yep, you can go to my website and sign up. I offer a 20 minute um, free consultation just to see if it's a good fit to work with me. And then they can sign up for my program and I can help them with their goals. So, well, I'm going to make sure that I've got all that information in the notes, both on the YouTube video and in the podcast notes so that everybody can get in touch with you. Awesome. And also the link to your book, Mood, okay. Food and Gratitude Journal. Yeah, and it's available worldwide from any online bookseller that you want. You can get it in any country in the world. And it, I mean, Amazon is a prominent one, but you can also, if you're looking to shop with smaller um, online booksellers, you can get it through any of them. So. so when COVID finally lifts and the pandemic is no longer keeping us from, well, from restricting our travel, we'll have to get together for a sugar-free margarita yeah. somewhere down around where well, you are. Well, okay. So speaking of that, I also keep everything in perspective, everything in moderation. So I try to live by the 90-10 rule where 90% of the time I try to live super healthy and clean and 10% of the time I'm like, screw it. I want that. Okay. I'm visiting you at that time and we'll have our full on margarita. Yes. 10% of your day. It could be 10% of your week, 10% of your month, whatever that 10% is to you. Like I have a little square of dark chocolate every day because I love dark chocolate. It's supposed to be really good for you. Over 72% is great for you. It's really full of bioflavonoids that help you with all kinds of things. So, all right, then it's margarita and chocolate. Okay, awesome. Hopefully within the air. Well, Heidi, thank you so much for being with me today. This was just a fascinating conversation. I mean, there was a million more questions I could have asked you, but. Thank you for your time and having me on your show. This is fantastic. And I love how you're promoting women and she's all that is such a cool idea. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to have you on again because there's more we could talk about. Sounds great. I would love that. Thank you so much for your time. All right. Okay. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for being with us today. Don't forget to take a look down in the notes to find any of the links to the goodies we talked about in today's podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube channel so you don't miss the next episode. Rate us or review us on iTunes or on YouTube and share us with a friend that you think might just need a bit of inspiration to start doing her own awesome shit. Do you know an incredible gal that's all that that you think the world needs to know more about? Head on over to our Facebook or our Instagram channel and DM me. Tell me about her. We'll see if we can't get her on the She's All That podcast.